0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org. Have you ever wanted to open a restaurant, launch your own food brand, or dive into the ever-changing world of food media? Well, buckle up. Join us for Aspiration to Action, a special live podcast on Monday, June 3rd at Haven's Kitchen in Manhattan. Zara Tangora and Bretton Scott, hosts of Life's a Banquet, will lead us through tales of the good, the bad, and the transformative, featuring Food World innovators and HRN hosts Dana Cowan, host of Speaking Broadly. Eli Sussman, host of The Line, along with his brother Max, and Allison Kane, host of In the Sauce, in conversation with Jenny Britton Bauer. Light refreshments will be provided by Paris Gourmet, Wolfer Estate Vineyard, and to Honey. Get your tickets before they sell out by going to heritageradionetwork.org slash action.
2: Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. This week, we are so excited to welcome back to the show Gabriella Camara, who's talking about her new... And first cookbook, which is quite surprising, My Mexico City Kitchen. It is a stunning, gorgeous, beautiful love letter to the food she loves, to the town she loves, Mexico City, and to the dishes that we all love and enjoy. And then, our special envoy, straight from India, Jeet, the man behind the boards, is now in front of the mic talking to the legendary band, Mother Jane. They talk about their origins, how they came up, and they share a couple of songs with us. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We talk about
3: food. We talk about music with musical
4: dudes. Finger on the pulse, Snacky Tunes.
2: snacky tunes Mm -hmm. i am one half your host darren bresnitz we are with gabriella camera yes yes
5: (laughs) yes you got Uh, it right (laughs) yes
2: welcome back to snacky tunes
5: thank you so much
2: and we are talking about your new gorgeous cookbook my mexico city kitchen recipes and convictions yes um you've been cooking for years yes in mexico in the states all over the world this is your first cookbook.
5: It's my first cookbook. Why yes. was
2: now the time to put out your first cookbook?
5: Well, I guess it's because cookbooks are very relevant. I mean, because cookbooks are sort of an American thing. And I opened my restaurant in San Francisco, Calaf, uh, four years ago, almost. And I think, you know, the insistence from editors and from agents and from just everybody seemed to be the time to do it. I had been working with material on a book about contramar and I didn't I didn't I, I never really wanted to make a book only on contramar because because I've always considered the recipes from contramar very sort of normal recipes. I haven't you know, I don't I don't it's just, you know, they're just things that I've put together from traditional food or from places that I like and taste and Anyways, I, I, I didn't want to make a book about Kala either, so I sort of came together with a book that, you know put together a book that would offer an American public an accessible way to, food, to, to cook Mexican food and to, to food in a very direct way and not a stuffy way and I wanted people to use it and I didn't want it to only be a precious object of like reminiscent of a place. I wanted it to actually be a restaurant, um, I mean, uh, uh, not a restaurant cookbook. I wanted it to be a cookbook that people could cook from.
2: I mean, there's some basic advice in this book that I absolutely love that I think sets the tone for that sentiment, where it's Uh not a restaurant cookbook, it's more of an inspirational book, and it comes from your grandmother. And your grandmother says to make something good, it's pay attention, take your time, and respect your resources, which I think is such a fundamental thing to really... A little peek behind the apron, yeah,
0: yeah, if you yeah. will, yeah, 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 um,
2: yeah. and you use that, I think, an example in one of your most famous recipes, which is the tuna tostada. And uh-huh. talk about the leeks and taking uh-huh. your time and things like that. But what was it about that sentiment from your grandmother that really set the tone for this book?
5: I think it's. I mean, I, for my grandmother, I, I I I learned so many things, and she she you know she's a constant inspiration in my life, even though she passed away uh, some years ago. Um, but you know, and and I think the to be a perfectionist in a way that, or to just like keep you know to seek to seek the possibility of doing things as best you can under the circumstances. And I think that in the book, it's translated into I guess a curi- or a, you know a curiosity about doing things in in resourceful ways. Or I guess um, you could also translate. You know, it's, it translates in the book also in in an influence of not Mexican food that has influenced my Mexican food. And I think that, you know, that, that is a unique approach to Mexican food that I bring because of her.
2: Yeah. I mean, part of that influence of Mexican food, that curiosity stems from your childhood. You yes. talk about how you were living in Mexico, but your parents weren't really cooking Mexico food. Mexican food and the woman who sort of lived in the house, Victoria, and the women taught you...
5: I love that you remember her name.
2: um, Because you were so curious, and you wanted to make these tortillas to fit in and things like that. Um, What is it about that curiosity, but then also that tactile learning, like looking at other people, how they do their process, how did that inspire you, and why did you want to share that with people?
5: I guess because cooking, even though my parents didn't have... The time to prepare you know sort of fancy meals or very elaborate meals and and we did sometimes, especially on weekends but it, for me, food was always a very a very fun thing. Food was a you know f- eating was 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 a, was an important part of family life but in a very you know not eating because it was the only time to be together, but just enjoying life and enjoying food was part of enjoying life and I just I I love to participate in that. I guess I wanted to be a part of that.
2: And you said it helped you fit in. No, totally. The 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 cooking, the the tortilla part? Yes. And that making tortillas yeah. helped you fit in with I wanted I
5: wanted I wanted my household to have tortillas, fresh tortillas. Right. It was the only household in the postland that didn't I mean as far as I was concerned.
2: As far as <laughs> you concerned.
5: Yeah. And and I, you know, I'm sure other because in Tepoztlán was, was a town that was full of people that had either retired there or artists who live in there. You know, there was this community of artists, circus um, artists uh, from Europe and everywhere in the world, and they, they were like totally kooky and not from there. But everybody in my school, everybody I I I was in touch with in at the school, which was a public school there. Really had a life that was completely different from ours, and I guess I also I also love to make tortillas because I love tortillas. Who does a fresh tortillas? tortilla is exactly, you know who like why would you not want a fresh tortilla, and I think that um, I I was I just I just I've, I've always loved doing things, and I've always loved doing the things with my hands. I've loved um I, I love you know I'm very practical, and I guess I guess I get that from my grandmother. She's always very like dexterous manually. And I like that. My father had a shop. It, like, he still has a shop where he works with wood. I think it's, you know, we like to make things.
2: I mean, part of what you talk about going to making those things at home is the love uh-huh. and the the caring for others through the food. And you draw a little bit of a distinction through home cooking and restaurant cooking. Um, it's saying that home cooking sometimes can beat out restaurant cooking. Um, but... What you draw through in this book is bringing some of that love of that home cooking into the restaurant. How were you able to take that approach to home cooking, which is very different, into these recipes and your restaurants in general?
5: I guess because I do it with a lot of passion and, and, and I, put, I really put myself into it. So I, it, I turn it into, you know, I really, <coughs> sorry, I've always said, and I've always said to the staff, we have to receive guests as if they were coming to our house. Like, we have to make this experience an experience of absolute welcoming generosity, and and I guess that's what I that's what I learned that 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 restaurants didn't always have, mm. and that's what I wanted to put in in, in the restaurant. Um,
6: like but- I,
5: I, I guess. I guess that I mean I guess that's always been a concern of mine and I, I I I love that you that you you know that that you were that you read the book and that you <laughs> that you read that that's what I I
2: figured if I was gonna come talk to you about the book I, I think should it's read. Very the book. good,
5: yes, very good.
2: Um, <laughs> well done. But that touches on another part, um, and bringing it back to the book a little bit is that sometimes you get these cookbooks from restaurants. Uh-huh. And look, I have the French Laundry cookbook on my table. And it's It's, beautiful. It's beautiful. It sits on my table. I've never bought a digital scale and things like that. But you talk about those as like aspirational books. Uh And what this book is is really a practical book. Uh And as a source of inspiration, um, what made you want to translate your recipes for the home chef, but then also give them the freedom to not have to stick to these recipes? Why was that important to you?
5: Because I feel that food is because i feel that food is for everybody and food you know i feel that food is something that one should adapt to one's needs and one's whatever one is living through and if you have time to make a lot lengthier meal great but if you don't or if you don't have time to buy every bit of the ingredients that you need for a recipe i want people to know how to adapt or how to substitute or how to use what they have in their refrigerator or what they bought at the farmer's market or what they, you know. I feel there's there's so much waste also in this culture of having recipes be just one thing.
0: Mm. I
5: think that it also, I mean, I think, for example, one of the things that you can totally see that has influenced my life is my grandmother's obsession with not wasting food. None. She, none. She was, you know, she went, it, my mother was born during the war in Italy. So she went through the hassle of having a one-year-old daughter in, that, in those two weeks where you had no food in Florence, because they had it was fine, you know, it was fine, whatever, we can go into that, but they, in terms of food, they were eating, her father was a very prominent um, agriculture um, official, so he, you know, they had food, but there were two weeks when they didn't, and it marked my family life forever it you know my, grand, my my grandmother was pregnant with my aunt my aunt was born without nails because because the food was very scarce and then finally they didn't have it but it it was it were you know they they she really was obsessed with not wasting anything and i think it's something that you know that has lived through in 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 our family and for example my parents first fight was the zucchini incident because my father disposed of, 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 of like, two, he, he argues it was not more than two tablespoons of leftover zucchinis. But when my mother woke up in the morning and wanted to make a fritata with them, they were nowhere, they, 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 you know, he just said, oh, I ditched them. And she still has a fit every time she thinks about it.
2: In my house, that's called a Shonda. <laughs> um, the other thing that you talk about in the book, which I love, is how much time it's taken for you to put t- these recipes together mm-hmm. but how many failures you've mm-hmm. gone through as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's very reassuring to to crack a book and you see the beautiful photos and you know if you've been lucky enough to have some of your signature dishes to go oh these are the end of a very long journey yeah 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 um, how do you hope that inspires the people when they're cooking these recipes to cook the recipes again and again and again
5: I hope they're written in a way that they can get a bit of the deliciousness that I, you know, that, that in the end, the, the, the recipes, I mean, I, I just, I hope that, that with the recipe, they can get to a point where they taste it and say, oh, I want this again. Or I could have done this better, or I could have, because I think the, one, of the, one of the things that, at least my grandmother and my aunts in general, like all, all the people, all the really good cooks that I know, they are always thinking of what could have been better. And I always when I cook and I and I this is a problem like some friends are like, Gabriela, why are you don't don't, you know, don't make excuses for yourself. Or don't don't dump don't think that it wasn't good. It was delicious. And it's not I'm, I'm, I'm not it's not that I don't have like a good self-esteem, but I, I'm objective and I know that and I it, it's my pleasure to discover what could have been improved. So that the next time I'm motivated, you know, or so that I'm motivated to do it the next time better. And I guess that's the way I live. And for, for me, food is, is something that is an ongoing experiment. You don't. This is why I was so adamant about writing a cookbook. I think recipe, you know, food or cooking is this. And I always say this: it's like this fine line between tradition and innovation. So I think you have a recipe that you start from, but then from there you can do other things. And if this inspires people to go and do, you know, add other ingredients, and they think it's better. You know what? Good for them.
2: Good for them. (laughs) We're going to take a quick musical break.
5: Yes, thank you.
2: Uh, We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about My Mexico City Kitchen with Gabriela here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
6: on a whim to see if I could fit in, and I felt like a proper lady. Before long, I met a man, I fell in love, you understand, he was all I could think of. Oh, oh i Why'd you say you love me, and then found another? Mm-hmm. I moved to Kansas to move on. I drank whiskey until dawn, but I missed that loving. Or oh, I went back to find that man I found him in God damn. Hey. Settle down, got a job in my hometown And I felt like a bruised woman Before long I began to think That man would be the death of me So I'm gonna kill him Oh, 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 oh Stan, you were my first lover Why'd you say you love me if I meant nothing to you? Lord, oh, stand you were undercover. Why'd you say you love me and then you found another? Lord, oh, stand you were my first lover. Why'd you say you love me if I meant nothing to you?
2: Hello, and welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I am one of your hosts, Darren Bresnitz. We are here with Gabriela Camara. Yes. Yes, you're getting
4: it. It's better and, and
2: better. We're talking about her new cookbook, My Mexico City Kitchen, which I have to say is an absolute love letter to the city. Um, for those who have never been, it's, mm-hmm. it's this beautiful, sprawling, wide, uh, gorgeous, diverse landscape, and I feel that everybody has their own perspective on it. What was your unique perspective that you wanted to share in this book? That you made sure that people who have visited or maybe never visited understood.
5: I guess it's what I've wanted to share. <clears throat> sorry, through Contramar and my restaurants in Mexico City. I I guess what and what I you know and what I've done at Gala in San Francisco in a way. I wanted to present a part of Mexico City that is fresh. And exciting and malleable, or not, you know, or transformable. Instead of saying, "Oh, this is what traditional mole should be," or "This is how Mexicans have eaten," and we're only doing, um, you know, food that has no influence from the New World or from Asia or from, and you know. Food is such a mixture of so many things. And I wanted to show that Mexico City is a very cosmopolitan, rich, um, culturally more diverse than we think place.
2: I mean, that gets into the very dicey topic of quote unquote authenticity, which pops up from time to time in this show. And for those who have experienced Mexico City your way, this feels like a very authentic take on the city itself. Right. Do you feel the same way that this book represents an authentic take in, like, the general sense or just your authentic take on what Mexico City cuisine is?
5: I think the term authentic is so difficult and <laughs> so messy.
2: We always bring it up with a caveat, but I wanted to get your perspective on yeah.
5: it. Yeah. Authentic authentic also has evolved. You know,
4: right.
2: who,
5: who defines authentic? And I do believe that there, you know... Most of the recipes in this cookbook are not traditional Mexican food, or what has been considered traditional Mexican food. I also have an issue with this, but authentic is is, is more of the problem because tradition. You could say, you know, in this town they've always used this ingredient for this dish. That's a tradition, right? So that's. But to say authentic or that it isn't authentic, if they take out one ingredient. Well, maybe, you know, it, is it authentic because of the ingredients? Is it authentic because of where it's made? Is it authentic because of who makes it? Is it authentic? I mean, it has, I think, so many exceptions that I, I think, I mean, it's authentic in that it is Mexican. It is authentic, you know. Are, is it a Mexican restaurant because it's in Mexico City? Yeah, I think so. Even if it's Japanese, it's, you know, and it's wanting to be, Respectful of traditional Japanese methods and cooking or ingredients, it's still a Japanese restaurant in Mexico. And I think then it is it is a Mexican restaurant. But not you know it's it's tricky. I I, I think and I've 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 really spent a lot of time trying to define this. I think to be Mexican, basically, you have to, you know, be in Mexico, do it in Mexico, whatever. But to be Mexican abroad is also, you know, has its own nuances. Because I do think that to be authentic Mexican, I don't know. I think, I mean, it's really so subjective. And I I think we're in a time of life or of the world where the personal becomes very relevant, or we want to give it the importance that it is, which is a totality of somebody, you know, someone's experience. And I think that cooking with elements of a part of the world or a a certain geographic determined area will make your restaurant or will make your food from there. But then if you cook it elsewhere and still use those ingredients, it still is that. But, so I don't, you know, I don't, I really think that the word authentic is, 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 is charged with too many things. And I do, I will just tell you, this is a genuine book from somebody, or this is a genuine, you know, these are recipes from places that, in which people have been making their thing. And it's you know when I this is why I wanted to portray recipes from certain places that were my favorite places in Mexico City. Say the tacos de lengua from Don Juan the taqueria that opens that has lengua on Fridays in Condesa. You know I don't know if it's the best taco de lengua. I love I love tacos de lengua. However, I guess I I, I mean as long as it's good, it's good quality. I I I love them with chili you know with different sauces with but in different preparations. But I think the tacos de lengua in salsa verde are pretty authentic Mexican. I mean, you know, it's certainly not a, a, a dish from another part of the world. So I would say, you know, with all, the, with all the layers of complexity, because also Mexico City is a place where people aren't from, but they have come to for centuries. And so they have appropriated, you know, things from different parts of the, the different regions in Mexico and the different influences of people who have come to Mexico City. So, you know, authentic Mexican, yeah, it is an authentic Mexican cookbook with recipes from there.
2: I mean, I absolutely yep. love that response. And it's <laughs> it's a tricky question and and I love it. And what I love about it is that you you do give people a guide. Like, for example, um, I think in that same set, you talk about a grisado that mm-hmm. you love uh, from this one taco spot and you say I'm going to only share one gusado recipe with you just to show you the process uh-huh. just to give you that like base information uh-huh. of how you do it then take it and make it your own uh-huh. um, and I love that you are just letting people I mean there's 150 recipes yeah. right And but you're giving people different entry points so
5: yeah I think it's really important with food yeah that people enjoy it mm-hmm. like I want people to taste something and say oh I want more of this but maybe I could add some salt or maybe I could take away, you know, maybe I put too much lime. And I want I want people to learn how to actually enjoy putting ingredients together.
2: So with this and eating them. With this book, I mean it's it's not just the recipes, but there's also essays and beautiful things like that. If I was a beginner, if I never uh-huh. made Mexican food,
4: uh-huh.
2: where do I start? And if I feel comfortable with Mexican food, Where would I, what would you recommend as like a first entryway into this?
5: I would recommend that you read it. Yeah. And then I think if you do read it, at least if you read the introduction, then you will be more comfortable with saying, oh, I feel like eating potatoes and then finding a recipe with potatoes.
2: There's one section I want to talk about uh-huh. before we run time, and it's mm-hmm. the everything can be a taco.
5: I know. That has been such a smashing success, and, and I'm which is, sh- I'm, I'm very happy to have.
2: And listen, as someone who keeps not the freshest tortillas in his fridge, there are times when I go, that could go in between a tortilla and that'll be better. Um, and, and you do it. Oh, of course. Right. Quietly, yeah. in right. the dark, with yeah. no one looking or judging yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to say, look, we could talk about the spaghetti taco, we could talk about the stuff, but at your heart... Why is that section so important to you? What is it trying to really say?
5: Because it's trying to say that in Mexico, like if you have good tortillas, or in Mexico traditionally, and here we do go to traditionally, the tortillas serve the purpose of bread or naan in India, or you know, it there, it was the grain with which you accompany every meal in Tepoztlán where I grew up. And I think I, I mentioned that in the book. You people wouldn't use. Silverware. They used the tortilla to eat. And you know, you need to learn how to eat with a tortilla without being messy. Right. And I was very proud to have learned that. My, my mother, uh, you know, she's from Florence. And my aristocratic Florentine family is very proud of the fact that the Caterina de, the Medici brought silverware, the fork, to, to France, to Paris, when she, you know, when she married the king, whatever he was. But, um, So the Florentines are very proud of their modern world inventions, quote quote unquote. And and I, you know, my mother, even though she was never going to not eat with a fork and knife, she found it, I think, very, not only amusing, but she was very encouraging of my delight in learning how to eat with a tortilla.
2: I love it. So in addition (laughs) to the food photos... There's also beautiful photos of Mexico City. These just like gorgeous moments that make it feel like an insider's look or just catching this very candid moment. Why did you want to include those scenes within this book?
5: Well, first of all, I you know the book was the the photography is by Marcus Nielsen, who's a great photographer, and Marcus, great. great,
2: he's great.
4: It's great as no no no, he's he's like, he's, beautiful. he's
5: yeah, totally my favorite food photographer, I think, and. And thankfully we were able to work on this together, but we had worked the previous Contramar book or the one we were working on, which ended up being more of a, I think we will publish it eventually because it's more of a registry of the people. It's more like a portrait book, but he, he spent a lot of time in Mexico city and he went there with James Casey, who was the designer of the book uh, to make this magazine swallow.
2: Oh my God. One of my favorite episodes. Yes. The scratch and sniff yes. Mexico City yes. one. James yes. Casey, wherever you yes. are, yes. I love you.
5: Yes, yes. And you know, this this team, we we had, you know, we've been in Mexico City many times for different commissions that Marcus has gotten. We hang out and you know, Marcus has these great pictures of Mexico City. And many of them were intended for the for this Contramar book that has never happened. So we used some of the pictures in this book because I just thought It needed context. It needs to, I don't want a recipe book that is just like dumbed down Mexican food, you know, like margaritas and tacos. But I also didn't want it to be inaccessible and too precious. I wanted it to be about the city of Mexico being a welcoming city in which you can eat delicious things on the street that you would have never imagined could come out of a street cart that are as sophisticated as, or more than many of the things you eat in restaurants. And Contramar is a restaurant inspired by simple recipes that are delicious, but that are not sophisticated or not particularly elaborate recipes, They're just based on incredible ingredients. And this is a very Italian approach to food. So I guess I just wanted to make that very clear in the book. And I wanted to make it clear that it wasn't like a California or Mediterranean approach to Mexican food, it was from Mexico City. So I needed the context of these beautiful shots of this incredible city and I think that we're actually missing great shots of Mexico City because there's some that are I mean I think you know and you always when you make a cookbook you always or when you make anything me when I make anything when I make a pot of beans I'm always thinking of what I could have done better even if I do enjoy the beans and I, I do enjoy the book and I think it's great but I of course think you know we could have put more of these pictures here because because it would have given a broader context or we, you know, maybe next to the recipe of such and such, it needed a picture. I, I do believe that cookbooks, for me at least, that I'm very visual. I really appreciate cookbooks that have great pictures that show you what the author is talking about in the recipe. Because for me to have a visual reference is super important just in terms of understanding what I'm supposed to obtain or to get to. And and I wish I wish we could have done that with every recipe.
2: Well listen, I'm sure, like all of your friends, <laughs> I think this is stunning. And Thank you, you are looking so how to make volume two even better. <laughs> if people want to get my Mexico City Kitchen, where can they get it?
5: Uh, I think in like major bookstores or books food book cookbook. Stores, which is thankfully the cookbooks are saving the printed. uh, (laughs) um, They are. Yeah, but um, no, they Amazon. Amazon. (laughs) And uh,
2: if people want to follow you online or go to the restaurants, where can they find you?
5: The restaurants. Okay, so Cala in San Francisco, C A L A. It's on one four nine Fell Street between Franklin and Venice, and and it's it's really, I'm very proud of Cala. I love it. And then in Contramar and Entremar in Mexico City, Contramar uh, at, what is it? Uh, Contramar. No, info at Contramar. Yeah, info at Contramar. Or reservations at Contramar. And I am, uh, my Instagram account, even though I'm a terrible social media um, user, my Instagram, I really do enjoy it, but I'm terrible at posting. I am uh, Gabriela Camara, just that way.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. We have another song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snaggy Tunes on heritageradio.network.org. Yeah, yeah,
7: yeah, yeah. yeah. If I die before away, my soul to take If I die before away, if I die before away, my soul to take If I die before away, if I die before away, my soul to take These niggas fake, Dave Chappelle, you come have happy Austin 316, nigga got big drinks, mark up the beats, Austin 316 Nigga got big drinks, mark up the beats, Austin 316 Nigga got big dreams. Mock up the beats. Mock up the beats. Mock up the beats. Coming in like Steph cook. If I die before I fade, hope that these niggas stop faking. Hope that these niggas stop hating. Hope that these niggas stop playing. Hope that these niggas stop playing. Six niggas at my wake. Six niggas at the pearly gates. Six niggas not another year. Six niggas not another year. Yeah. yeah. Six, 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 six. Got these niggas shaking. I ain't even shakin' As-salamu Mama in the fuzzy crying. church bells ringing. everybody diein' Fuck what I like Lay on my start Is my black hat a light All these niggas Stuck in the middle path Got Z Nash I'ma hit him with the pass. If I die before I win If I die before a way, My soul to take If I die before I way, If I die before I way My soul to take If I die before I win. If I die before I way, My soul to take These niggas fake Dave Chappelle You coming hey, now, babe ba- I ba- 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 also ba- 360 316 ba- ba- Nigga got big dreams. Of the, the three, six, nigga got
1: big of the This episode is brought to you by Mofad, the Museum of Food and Drink. Featuring a variety of interactive displays, Mofad encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MoFad Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history, and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese-American restaurant menus, dating back to 1910, and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese-American cuisine. Check out MOFAD's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org events. Do you
8: love this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. We have over 35,000 shows in our online library. My name is Jennifer Leucci, and I'm the host of Tech Bites, where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. You can find Tech Bites wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening.
9: You started the band? Yeah, right. Yeah, Me and a group of friends, you know, at that point. Yeah. In 96. 96. Right. Yes. And... Uh, you said that
10: there were two drummers in the beginning? Yeah, we had two drummers and others drummer called Cecil because uh, Mithun, Laji, Nirmal and sham they were already a band without a drummer. Okay. And they approached me for a gig, but I was already hooked with another band at that point. So mm-hmm. I suggested you guys go with the Cecil now for the time being. And then there was no concept of Mother Jean, you know. It's like one gig, one standalone gig, they did it and that's it. All right. Then what happened was I was the cultural secretary at that point in my college. So then we had booked a band. And as you know, no budgets for a college. <laughs> so this band was supposed to play for free. And, you know, I don't know what happened. Some shit happened. And then they backed out like one week prior to the uh-huh. concert. So then I had no choice but to get these guys because uh, most of my like juniors in college were like complete metalheads. Okay. So they won't tolerate anything <laughs> but metal. So you know, so we had to play all these metal hits at that point. So then I called these guys, you meaning the, the, uh, yeah, 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 all the original, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So these guys, and when we practiced for one week and went on stage. Uh-huh. And for that gig, we put this name Mother Jane. <laughs> really, like, you know. So. Oh my God! And I, I hated completely hated that <laughs> name at that point. But <laughs> <laughs> why? Yeah, because I didn't I didn't like it. What stupid name! But, <laughs> 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 but this guy, one of my friends, and then you know he was so adamant. Like you know, you should, guys should go with this name. You know, you can't change this. And okay, fine. Then we went on stage. We played the gig. And then, you know, when then we, then we got uh, together, actually, it was like supposed to be a standalone gig, and then we were supposed to go our own ways. But then we, um, you know, didn't one more gig, and then we organized one gig on our own. Mm-hmm. So then we thought we'll... Keep, know, it, keep, keep it, keep it, and take it ahead. You know, so like that. So that's how ah, it happened. <laughs> that's the beginning.
9: That's crazy. Because I, I, only, I think I heard about you when I first came to India around two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's also the time when you had. Um, yeah, we, after we released our Insane first, yeah, first record. Yeah, right. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, it was game changing. I just remember. How different the music was Because it was rock like Progressive rock But right, then all yeah. this classical uh, Indian music yeah, Kind of fused Only one track had something like that
10: Which also came by accident Because we didn't plan Anything Indian in that record Because mm. you know But what happened was When we were recording One session flautist was We just came into the console To see what was happening here then Baiju was friends with him. <laughs> he called him, hey, why don't you play something? <laughs> you play whatever. You wow. And he did something and that's, that stuck with the audience. Like, you know, shit. Wow. <laughs> A flautist? Yeah. yeah really?
9: Yeah. It wasn't intentionally... No, Indian? it was not at all intentional. Really? Because, you
10: know, we never planned any Indian elements, elements. in that record.
9: Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Because so, when I hear it, it's it's very apparent. You know? ah, I right. don't know if yeah, it's because yeah. of part of your, you know, DNA culture. Is yeah, yeah, that comes through. Yeah, right?
10: absolutely. Because you know, if you are also here. so. What happens is because we are constantly exposed to that music, no, and the culture right. and Indian culture being so deep-rooted, right, right. It will surface at any point, I guess. <laughs> so no, that's it's very what happens. Inter- yeah, yeah. I,
9: I didn't know at first. I thought the mindset was to be a. Progressive rock band with Indian style, but it wasn't that. No, no, absolutely just, not. Yeah, it wow. just came by accident. That's so. I didn't even know that. So this is actually fun. I'm learning a lot. Or it was planned <laughs> in a pre-birth situation. <laughs> yeah, in a, a previous life. Yeah. Every, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, after you formed the in- initial lineup, right? Yeah. When did it start? Like when did it go from, you know, one gig here, one gig there to like, okay, actually let's start writing our own music. Let's start Ah, touring and playing
10: shows. That I should, you know, I should give credit to Suraj for it because, Mm. you know, then like any other band in the 90s, we want to play our favorite covers, you know, to perfection and, you know, and show off our chops and all that. (laughs) So that was the mentality at that point. But then Suraj came up with this idea like, you know, however you play a cover, another band will come and like, you know, bowl you over. So, you know, it's pointless. It's still a cover. Yeah, Yeah. it's still still a cover. And, you know, you're not going anywhere with that. So, Suraj said, you know, when he cornered us and made us write songs you know so then we were like oh shit and then we'll like you know please this guy and <laughs> to keep this guy in the band right. actually he threatened us to quit the band also really? so, <laughs> so we had to write songs to keep this guy in the band so wow. then it slowly happened and it was not slow actually this mine street one of our yeah, favorite Vegas. songs yeah, yeah. As in with the audience it was written in like 30 minutes, I guess. You know. <laughs> really? And the tune, the vamp, was already one song made by Rex. Really? So, he used to he used to be a prolific writer or producer because, you know, he used to write a lot of instrumental tracks. Mm-hmm. So, he had a lot of instrumental tracks when he came into the band. So, yeah. this was one of the tracks which had that vamp and then we had... Added more stuff and the then became like what the, the main, tune that main <clears throat> the main riff, no, guitar. really riff, yeah, yeah. so he had already written that yeah that was wow. already a song that he had an instrumental track
4: really wow. yeah, yeah
10: so this guy came with it and then Baiju took it somewhere else and you know and then became a song in less than thirty minutes
9: really because that was the biggest hit when yeah, yeah, when still, insane yeah, biography yeah, came out? Came, come, that was come the biggest. to our
10: gig to listen to still, my, like, yeah still, still it's the still biggest it's, really it's, yeah,
9: it kind of, oh that's yeah. interesting okay i i didn't think it would still be the biggest hit because yeah. once uh once it uh went to maktub there's that's a right. lot of really good tracks yeah, on there
10: but uh, maktub also had another version of Street.
9: yeah i noticed <laughs> that i was wondering why the guitars did yeah, that muted yeah. thing but <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I remember... Um, I remember... Uh, I, when was Maktub recorded?
10: It was uh, done in 2007 to 8 and released in 8. So 2007 it took, like, to a, 8. We recorded three versions of that record. Really? The first one we did uh, again in Cochin, but it was um, like pathetic and pathetic would be an understatement yeah. so I, I was like you know this is not going to be released yeah so let's then uh, i did a recording at jam you know the old jam oh wow yeah we did one recording and the drum sound was best in that recording really but again uh, you know i worked with one another recordist producer kind of a guy but i don't know what happened in the edit it got so screwed that you know after that you know it was like here and there and we worked again and then we knew that it's not going anywhere
9: yeah
10: and we recorded all the songs for the third time
9: and that's what you really (laughs) (laughs) we were just talking about doing doing one (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man i don't know how you did a full album three times Because I'm already sick of a song after right months. Right, right. Oh, you—that yeah. is like persistence. <laughs> my God. <laughs> and this was uh, Gopi Charan, right? Yeah, but Gopi's studio. Because Correct. I remember my high school band at the time was recording some cover songs like Metallica, ah, Master right. Puppet. Okay. Okay. And I remember um, either it was around that time or a little after I was starting to get into sound engineering. And so I would mm. call up Gobijan and ask him questions like, right, hey, how do okay. you use a microphone and how do you do this? And he would always invite me to his studio and show. And I remember once he invited me uh, and Suraj was recording. Oh, okay. And I just, that, that was a vocal. It was, being recorded. Um, yeah. it was yeah. actually for Chasing the Sun. He was recording okay, vocals. Okay. <laughs> and I was very nervous because I didn't know how to react in front of him because you guys at that point were like huge and then after, uh, after Suraj and all left, uh, Gopi played me Maktub, the title track. Uh, right. I don't okay. know if it was mixed or not, but at that point, I didn't really understand mixed versus unmixed. Uh, right. yeah. I just remember really loving that title track song. It's like really Thanks, interesting. Man. Thank you. Just like, I don't know what it was about, because it was a big difference from Insane Biography. Yeah, Insane yeah, Biography right, was like right. more of like the first kind of attempt at writing music yeah, yeah, right. and this sounded like a lot more mature and uh, cohesive you know even lyrically like so yeah, lyrics right, yeah, were very because, yeah, powerful yeah. he evolved to a point
10: and you know so
3: my sleep, it lies bleeding in my street, my inch shut, full of holes, now I know how to get him cold cause this is world. Your eyes, learn to breathe. The oceans are a jest of your Believe me, not in me. The messenger is really worth it. If you want to trip.
9: Of Suraj, you started writing. writing right. He pushed your us own. Actually, music. Yeah, yeah. And mainly maybe because he's like the lyric writer, very yeah, into yeah. songwriting. Right, right. So right. he
10: always wanted to get into like, you know, our own songs and take it from there rather mm-hmm. than being a cover band.
9: Was it hard to get shows once you became like the original band? Yeah, actually it was
10: um you
9: know, if you Think about those
10: times, it was suicidal to <laughs> play our own songs and get gigs, you know, so...
9: Because nobody would care. Yeah, or, nobody would yeah, care yeah.
10: because, you know, a band is called in, for, like the organizers, they want to hear the, their favorite songs being right. played, you know. So that was the scene at that point. Yeah. But um, we followed these guys, uh, Thermal and Equator, because yeah. they were like, you know, we won't play any covers, whatever it is but we are not going to play any cows. so we thought you know so then yeah why don't we you know try that out you know let's see where it goes but we surprisingly people started calling us for geeks. so that was like a huge surprise at that point my god so then it began you know we began to we started taking off and you know Mm -hmm. and, and there was one guy called Rahul Gandhi was an IAM student at that point. That's so, it. he just, you know, message mailed us and, you know, I I would like to manage you guys. He being a management student. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, you guys don't belong, you know, to this place where I'm taking you guys to North <laughs> India and, and all these places where the action is and, you know. So, you and, were playing
9: mainly in Kerala at yeah, that yeah, point? Yeah, we yeah.
10: Bre- the... I think the only outstation gig we did was in Chennai at that mm, point yeah. 2002 I'm talking about 2003 right, at right. that point you know. so then he pitched us right at uh, IAT Delhi you know which nice. had the, one of the biggest yeah, festivals yeah. in India at that point and then
9: it, like we just took off you know? and did people like did they find out about you through the music you recorded like Insane Biography the first album or through playing these shows did they find out more about you I think the concerts the concerts because this is the era before YouTube
10: and mm, you know all that mm. stuff and the only you you know window would be uh, RSJ because RSJ oh, rock, rock Street, Street Journal, Journal yeah. is the only magazine right in India which, which like focused on Indian rock yeah so they would, uh, um, what's say, publish a compilation of bands every year. Okay. For the Great Indian Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was the only window and this CD, the, there will be one CD with the magazine. Mm-hmm. So that featured Mind Street. Oh, so that's course. how the people started noticing us like you know there is a band from South and all that. Did you, you know? choose Mind Street or no, no they they chose they chose Mind it. Street. it was yeah, the popular yeah, right still so the popular. They, I think that that's the only track we had recorded at that point no, this and dissolution dissolution, yeah okay, so then they took it and uh, like that, so then. Wow.
9: All That's so funny that Mind yeah. Street. I can't believe it was written in such a short yeah. span of time. Right, because <laughs> it was. It really was a vehicle for you guys to take off. Absolutely. That yeah, song, absolutely, like yeah, as yeah, soon yeah. as it starts, like really yeah, hits home.
4: Yeah, yeah.
9: And I don't. I don't. I wonder how an outside audience would uh, would interpret it because I don't know if it's something deep in my Indian DNA or because of. Peop, you know, you were playing it for Indian people. Right. But yeah. it connected on so many, it really related to people because it was rock, but it was, it was our rock. <laughs> it yeah, was like the of, people's yeah. rock. <laughs> it was really like very, very powerful. I just remember. Right, yeah. um, apparently you used to jam at a restaurant called the Ancient Mariner.
10: Yeah, Ancient
9: Mariner. Yeah.
10: Drive. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's uh, yeah
9: from 99...
10: We used to jam there. Was yeah.
9: this before the originals?
10: Uh, actually, yeah. Actually, that's a place where we scouted Suraj. Because oh. we were playing. Uh, at that point, we were only like Baiju. Mithin had left at that point. He left it to some health reasons. Okay. And we were Baiju, me, Clyde. And that's it. Uh-huh. So we three were jamming there. And then... Suraj heard us and came right into Really? Yeah, but we had known him. Like, you know, we used to know him from college days. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, I think a couple of days he came and then he was like, You know, you, don't, you guys don't have a vocalist, okay? Would you like to me <laughs> have
4: me?
10: <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So then I think I asked him or something. Yeah, I think I asked him, like, you know, would you like to jam with us and then he was more than happy to get on board and
9: Nice.
10: And them. what cover songs did you play? Like at that what were the influences? At that point we used to play Metallica, Megadeth mm. Dream <sighs> Theatre and all that. Nice. Uh, And Suraj was into all that stuff as well, right? No, he was not into that kind of stuff, but Mm. he had to because I
9: was like a tyrant at that point. (laughs) (laughs) The the head honcho of Mother Jane. But that's cool. So eventually you moved from getting Suraj, writing original music. Right, yeah. yeah. Then by some stroke of luck, you wrote a song that connected with. Every Indian rock person on the scene. Yeah. Everybody. I just don't know anybody who doesn't know that song. And, and before that, we recruited uh, Rex also. Oh, really? Rex was like 17
10: at that point. So wow. One of our... You know, I think I met him at a... At Joseph's place, you know, that guitar... guitar shop oh yeah 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 he came there I don't know he came with his parents and started (laughs) ripping it apart so I was (laughs) like who is this guy (laughs) He's a kid out of town wow so then I noticed him and then I think we were left by only by Jumitun left at that point Okay. so then we had to have a guitarist and somebody else told me that I know this guy you know you've already seen him Mm Mm-hmm. So I will call him and you know you guys talk to his parents and you know get it done.
9: So wow, he was seventeen. Uh, he was like waiting for a chance. He like, oh yeah. I'm oh in. my <laughs> god, that's so and for for everybody who is listening who doesn't know, Rex is an amazing yeah, guitarist. Absolutely. And now he's like the best producer in the country right yeah absolutely he's just yeah, like absolutely yeah, yeah. amazing production yeah. on all the music that he's ever produced so. and he has played the keyboards
10: also on insane biography really yeah on Main Street if you, not- yeah, if you have noticed yeah. his keyboards so
9: so he's multi- he's a multi instrumentalist yeah 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 really i thought yeah, he was just yeah, a yeah. so multi
10: instrumentalist he plays drums also really <laughs> yeah okay yeah. so he's one of those guys yeah, just yeah, yeah. he'll any- play anything yeah
9: so the role of producer fits him Because he understands everything. Because, you know, I
10: always, you know, noticed his capabilities because the first record, that was my first recording. Mm -hmm. I I recorded drums for the first time in my life. So, I was like completely blown away. When, you know, playing with the click was like, (laughs) how am I going to do it, you know? So, it was some miracle that happened that I actually did did it. So, this guy helped me a lot. Hmm. So I was getting so frustrated on the first takes and then he was like, you know, John, don't worry about the elements outside or whatever is happening. Just, you know, just look at my hand <laughs> and wow. he was like giving
9: me this pulse. <laughs> so
10: Rex. Then, yeah, Rex. Actually, I would, uh, I would credit him for making me play on that record. Wow. Yeah. Was did so he play, helpful.
9: Did he play on that record?
10: Yeah, Rex played insane. on Insane Biography. He left after a year,
9: I guess. Okay, okay. But then, yeah. Wow. Like that. that That's so crazy. I actually didn't know Rex was part of Mother Jane for a while. Yeah, he was there from uh,
10: ninety nine to 2003. Oh, so a couple of years. Yeah, four
9: years he's okay. been
10: around here. Wow. With quite a lot of gigs also with him. Yeah.
9: Uh-huh. So, okay, so gigs, right? So touring mainly around India. Right? Right, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're touring, the the most common thing that tends to happen, at least it happens, you know, with my band and every band that I know, is that you start eating junk food and start eating late and you start, you know, (laughs) drinking and like a lot of bad habits start to get picked up on the road because I don't know if it's the party element of it or just being around your friends or maybe not having access to a place that's open after a gig or something like that right so do you know like can you just tell me like what the experience was over the years when you're on tour like how do you manage your food and has it changed over the years yeah so that
10: that's one peculiar thing with Mother Jane because you know whenever we went like you know to north india so we used to demand like we want rice and curry <laughs> Like in so, your uh, in your what's it called the rider tech rider tech rider, the tech rider had this clause like the drummer wants fish fry <laughs> <laughs> that is after two thousand and four <laughs> <laughs> because so then when we went out to these places yes in these venues so they would ask me so how many burgers for you? we don't want any burgers we want really? rice and fish curry and all that and they would actually they got us stuff. Wow, and we were like this peculiar when we demanded fish. Uh, I mean, rice and <laughs> and you know, if it's South Indian, then give it to us. <laughs> and then we would be speaking Malayalam on stage, as in Malayalam. Really? <laughs> so we were like one peculiar when Where are
9: these guys from? <laughs> <laughs> So, that's really cool that you were able, like, I guess yeah, 2004 actually, onwards?
10: Right. When, whenever we were touring, we demanded South Indian food. And if you wouldn't believe this, that we toured Ukraine. And the organizers had to get us Indian food. And <laughs> then we were like, you know, trying to figure out where is the Indian restaurant. Oh, my God. Ukraine. Really? So, you know, we didn't have our share of junk food. So you skipped that whole. Yeah, we skipped that whole thing. (laughs) That's very, very
9: lucky, and it's because like you, like you believe in eating healthy and organic, and
10: yeah, that that came afterwards. Okay, then I got into this organic bandwagon, but we even before that, you know, we apart from the usual you know, booze and uh, whatever, smoking up and all that, yeah. but it's it okay if I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a very yeah, free yeah, show. Yeah. So, you know, uh, food-wise, we usually, we were sticking to South Indian food, which mm-hmm. is, again, very healthy compared to, you know, it's less
9: fatty and all that, yeah, yeah. you know, compared to... So, just because you like the food, not because of any kind yeah, of... Yeah, right, you right, just, right. And you liked it? And it just happened to be healthy. It just happened, yeah. Oh, then you're very lucky. Because I remember whenever we, we... never go, gave in
10: to temptation because I I was never tempted
9: also to eat <laughs> junk food, you know. So really?
10: Like, oh shit, I don't want junk food, you know?
9: Oh, that's so interesting. Is it... You were not tempted because it wasn't around or you just no, didn't feel... A,
10: but, you know, I think uh, after... I never had junk food when I was a kid. I think mm-hmm. the only junk food I had was Chinese food. Which was again, like, you yeah. know, Indian Chinese. Right. You In, know, that it's yeah. like spicy as hell and all that. So, you know, so I never got hooked to junk food. Wow. And very still, lovely. I don't, I, I don't
9: prefer junk food. Oh, it's so. very, very good. Um, and the rest of the band was like this as well? Yeah, all of us were like that. Just yeah, very like, happy know, with... Yeah, fish fry, <laughs> rice. <laughs> Which is the staple in South India, like Kerala? If you ask,
4: yes, that's true.
9: Kerala is very well known for fish. Yeah, so and you fry it, I guess, in some oil, um, coconut oil, coconut oil. Yes, very, very, very tasty. <laughs> and uh, did you? Was there one particular place where you remember, like, wow, the food is so good when you were touring? Yeah, yeah I think um, the places where.
10: We indulged in food were like uh, Calcutta, Hyderabad, and Mumbai. Those three? Yeah,
9: yeah. What was different about those?
10: I think it's, it's a little similar to Australia. Mumbai is like everything. You get everything there. Okay. You know? But uh, Hyderabad also, it's like spicy as you Kerala, you know. It's yeah. very spicy, over the top spicy at some <laughs> point, you know. And Calcutta also, you know, so... Those places we really indulged in, like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So whenever you
9: toured there, it was like, we're going to get good food. (laughs) And so then this is, I don't know if this question is very valid then, because, you know, uh, the the typical scenario is the bands go on tour and they eat like shit. And then they come home and then they're like, okay, now we can have home cooked food. But like, what was the difference... On the road and off the road, uh, right? In India, I think
10: we have enough choices, uh, mm. unlike abroad. Like you know, we we we, the, we will, like you will get rice at at any place. You know, we, yeah. Wherever you travel in India, you will get rice, and and the thing is. There will be a Malu restaurant somewhere. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, so, it's like that, you know. So you There will, will always be a Kerala-style yeah, yeah, right, restaurant. Right, right, Yeah. Wow. <laughs> or something similar to it, you know. Really? Otherwise, I think we were like, you know, we hunted down those places
9: where you get stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, yeah, that's, that's very, because like, uh, over, I don't know if it's the choices, but like there's a lot of choices in the U.S., but the majority of it is, well, the majority of it that's affordable for bands on the road who are right, already spending right. money to, yeah, you yeah, know, right. drive and gas right, and right. Absolutely. you know, yeah. the only other options you have are like uh, McDonald's, you know, Subway. Subway's relatively better, I guess, but I think that's what that's the trap that we fall into. Any kind of healthy place would be a yeah, little Lord, overpriced, yeah. got it. Got and we're already got it. trying to save. Not right. as much as five. So that's actually good. It's very cool that India has a lot of yeah, options. Yeah, India available. has options. And, you know,
10: when we used to, like, for, we used to go for competitions, like, mm. you know, like, formative years. Like, Battle of the Bands Yeah, stuff. right, yeah. yeah. So we had to stay at friends' places, then Baiju would cook. the instance where he'll cook so I will buy him all the stuff and then (laughs) being the guitarist at the time even when we produced clay play so we were all like you know we went into Nitin's flat and then we were like you know doing stuff there most of the recordings were happening there so Mm. there also I I learned cooking because you know we ran out of money buying food (laughs) then I learned cooking you know YouTube being the biggest guru (laughs) so you know
9: Wow! Oh, so, yeah. That being said, Clay Play is like probably one of my favorite songs. Thanks, man. Because thanks. like yeah. I just remember when I saw it. Because what was the time span between like you released Maktub in two thousand eight, right? And then yeah, there was a few singles after
10: yeah, that. Few singles in between, and uh, two thousand fourteen, we started working on Clay Play, and mm. we released it in fifteen. Fifteen. 15. Yeah. Before Clay Play, what was the single? There was one single called "No Contest" that right, was like that 2011. Was, yeah, that was and a that while was one, ago. Yeah,
9: three, four years gap. Yeah. In between, so correctly. I just remember because Clay Play was a new lineup, right? right it was uh, right, yeah. I don't. It was Vivek on yeah, vocals. Yeah, Vivek on vocals and Nitin on, guitar. on guitars. Yes, yeah. Yes. So I think I don't remember if I knew the lineup first. Somebody told me the lineup had changed. So I think a, a lot of people were speculating that the it was going to be a completely different sound. And right, a lot of people yeah. were worried,
4: yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
9: But I remember when I heard that, it was a different sound, but it was so fucking cool. I love that song and the whole video so much. The video is, uh, I think, really, like, thanks, really well-told thanks. story. And I think maybe because, you know, because of the, journey both of us are on in the music industry right, yeah, that yeah. video really connected with me thanks man. <laughs> which is a brilliant song i yeah he credits to rex for that you know oh he produced he, that
10: yeah he produced that
9: very know. cool yeah so that's weird he <laughs> he was part of the very yeah, first yeah, yeah. <laughs> album
10: right right he was uh, in between also there was one single called jihad yes which was also produced by oh interesting yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: By the visible yokes of reason and the wild tyranny of the familiar. Reach for him. I found a brand. Oh!
9: relates to what i was talking about where yeah as you know. the lineup changed the sound changed right yeah, and it's become something else but i wonder how like in your words how would you put it because your experience is different from a fan experience correct so like over the years what do you think has changed and evolved with mother jane
10: i think you know every player will bring his own influences and you know his style into the band right. so we were uh, always open to that. Mm. We never told him that, you know, you have to play it like this or in a specific way. Right. Like, you know, you have to follow the bands, like, you know, sound and all that. So, we always told them, you know, you play what you want to play mm. and what makes you happy, you know. so, Right. But, you know, you have to look at this band from, a, you know... In, from an insider's perspective so you know yeah. then they started putting in their stuff
9: so and as long as everybody was happy with the sound right, right. It's, absolutely, it works absolutely that's yeah. cool because I think when you when you've had such a success with insane biography and maktub and all Correct. it's very yeah. tempting to just say oh we should Probably try yeah, to stick to that, stick to that kind Correct. of uh, yeah. whatever yeah. style, right? Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't ever it, a thought.
10: It was never there because you know. Uh, but in between, we tried to deviate from the Indian, you know, ethnic elements mm-hmm. that we had. But again, we thought that you know that makes us the band that we are. You know, so right. So we should stick to that thing. But, you know, you can bring in as many elements as we want. But, right. Uh, you know, s- stick to that particular So there's aspect, still, yeah, know, at yeah. the
9: core, there's still right, right, Indian yeah. and rock. Absolutely, absolutely. But the way it's, I guess, delivered through the new musicians. Right, yeah. It kind of paints a different picture. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. It's really cool. And let's see. Okay, so... Namaste is the latest one, right? That's right, the one yeah. we worked on right, here at right, Jam right. Music Conservatory. Absolutely. And yeah. and uh, Rex, again, produced that. Produced that track. Right. So, uh, yeah, just to be clear, we recorded the drums at Jam, but everything else was done with Rex, right? Right. The right. guitars, bass, right, vocals, yeah. everything. everything yeah. And the vocalist is... Uh, Niranj, Niranj. So it's a new vocalist He's the new vocalist Yes Very cool Yeah So Namaste Did very well Right Went to number one On the iTunes Rock charts In India In India In India It's fantastic And Like Is this again The whole natural progression As the member As the singer changes You know The style changes Something like that
10: Uh, uh, Right Yeah And this song was uh, Done with the, like, you know, when Vivek was around. Actually, that was oh, Vivek's right. tune. And Vivek then, being the previous singer, right, for yeah, the Previous singer. So, you know, that was his tune, and Niranj was like a big fan of this tune. Mm-hmm. So, we had already shelved this song, and, you know, we'll work on, you know, maybe other stuff and shelve this song, but he was like, you know, we have to release this you know I think and then I thought like you know if you are so confident about it let's go and you know release it and
9: it did well so yeah. that's how it happened you know so <laughs> yeah it did well and I really good. loved the video concept <laughs> who who did that yeah actually that was uh,
10: you know the first the formative idea came from uh, Paul my brother who did all the artwork and logo for oh, nice. Mother Jane so he you know was asking me why don't you collaborate with another artist you know and uh, and focus on them rather than on the mm-hmm. regular band, band playing thing, and all yeah. that you know and then my wife is who was already connected to these dancers so mm-hmm. it, she called them up and then they were so excited to you know collaborate with us
9: and that's how it happened you wow know. interesting yeah, yeah. that's really cool And that was released last year. Yeah, 2018. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it was also. I also got really good response. I remember just from my friends hearing it around. It was. Yeah. I think so. Let's see. Ninety six. It starts. You know, as a cover band. Right. Right. Then around early two thousands, original music starts to come. Right. Yeah. Start. You record your first album and the 30 minute the the song that was written in 30 minutes Main Street just instantly blows up everybody loves it right it's like, just <laughs> like it's crazy how much that connected with a lot of people like to have that you know in your portfolio is like really really great thing then through maktub lineup changes uh, clay play and namaste and so what's what's next for the band? Like where where do you see this going after twenty two years? Yes. Twenty three yes, years, yes.
10: years. It's amazing. Twenty three years. I think it's just know, uh, this twenty sixth we'll be twenty three years old actually. That's crazy. <laughs>
9: you it's fine, you can no, 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 no. turn up. Uh
10: twenty three yeah. years old? Twenty three years old, yeah. So wow. that's the scene. So we uh, we've been working on like Three songs, mm-hmm. and which will be cut into a record. Like it will be an EP, EP right now. Yeah, so so waiting to record it. You know,
9: so that's the yeah. scene. Because you just had chicken pie. Yes, <laughs> 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 but three songs. Do you know when you're releasing it? Uh, no
10: idea. I think by mid of this year we'll nice.
9: be, Very be releasing it, and maybe before sh- that, you
10: know, and doing like some shows. Sh- yeah, yeah we have, we have already spoke to a lot of people like you know to support this record we'll be touring yes. Wow. Yes, yes
9: in india in india very nice wow that's cool and is it is it just i mean the natural pro like do you just keep doing it and like while it's fun or or do you have like okay so this year we'll do an epn tour the next year we'll do and then 5 years later we'll do a
10: yeah we actually what I tried to take it that corporate way but it's not <laughs> happening so <laughs> so i had some experiences where i learned that you know it's not happening with this band i guess so so we are taking it as it comes mm-hmm and you know, and certain fans from Brazil was like asking us, you know, are, are, are they not aware of home studio concept? <laughs> Why are they taking so, so much, you know, so long between songs and all that. So, I think, you know, there are, you know, this lineup changes again will delay things a bit. What right. happened was after, like before Namaste itself, we had a minor change, so... But after that, I think things are speeding up a bit. So, yeah. let's see. So, we'll release this EP. And we want to continue making songs and, you know, making, and be a little more, uh, like, you know, fast in delivering mm. goods. But
9: let's see. Let's see. But, yeah, I guess but the, the quality again, is still yeah, important. That's also very important. Yeah, Right. Yeah.
10: yeah. and Can't compromise on that for frequent releases exactly
9: it's pointless at this point exactly I agree and uh, the fan response is still strong
10: yeah fans are also like you know fans are following it because of this brand Mm -hmm. name we made all this year so fans are still looking forward to stuff yeah but um, we are also planning something like you know um, away from the normal format so you know, like um, talking about stuff that normally a band won't do,
9: mm. and you know,
10: so let's let's see how it comes comes across. Yeah,
9: yeah. I think I think because I don't know if it if it's because of Mind Street or because of the time where you guys are playing, but I think because you built such a strong foundation. Like, right. right. It happened on its own. It, it was happened not even on its own. Yeah.
10: It's yeah. Not intentional, actually. It happened at that point. There were there were not many bands who mm. did own stuff or right. like, you know so the time Especially was also South rounded, Syria, right. Yeah, yeah, South India, North India also not many bands who mm. you know when you know who took the courage to come up with their own stuff. Right.
9: It's, wow. Yeah. I think I think because you have that strong like foundation of fans. I think right. you can just keep going, yeah, keep yeah. doing it That's the, for as you long as. <laughs> I really think so. Yeah. I, I don't. There's just something about that particular song at that particular time that has kind of. It just opened the minds of a lot of younger musicians here. So yeah. It really, just kind of inspired everybody. So and it's, and again, it was like it was Mother Jean was like one of the few bands that was like touring. Like, we didn't uh, even right. know that yeah. was yeah. a possibility <laughs> to do something like that. But India has a lot of, you know,
10: a lot of possibilities in that mm. area because the country is, it's like a continent. Yeah. If you take it, you know. So, there's a lot of concerts happening these days. Mm. A lot of international bands are touring. Right. and They are coming in. I think last week, Tesseract was here. Played yeah. in Bangalore. So. Right. And, and people like, that experience also so you know and a lot of festivals I think if you take like 2008 or something the number of festivals it's like three times oh more that's good now, you know in the last 10 years so that's good so the scene is uh, really getting thick here
9: yeah more a lot more yeah. original music right yeah.
10: yeah and the Indian bands are being followed more and and you look at Asia in at large, it, it's it's there is so much action in Asia. Right, right. right. So, apart yeah. from Japan, because Japan was the thing at, at some time back, but now all these Asian countries like Vietnam,
9: mm-hmm. China, and Indonesia.
10: Yeah, we are toured Indonesia also. Oh nice, nice.
9: Yeah, I noticed that Indonesia has a big rock yeah, fan yeah, base.
10: Yeah, absolutely.
9: You, I think that's where we played. To
10: crowds over 80,000 and all <gasps> wow. because we opened for Mr. Big, in wow. 10 years back, so we got their audience. <laughs> that's amazing!
9: <laughs> wow, yeah, so. but Indian scene, I think it, it probably is slowly coming up, right, and, right, it's coming up, it's oh, that's coming good. up in a big way. So that's good. So see. Well, I wish uh, you luck for Thank all the things did. to Thank come. Thank you. <laughs> Looking forward to the new songs, of course As a fan, (laughs) just like (laughs) waiting, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, if you know, if there's any way to break Mother Jane into like you know Brooklyn or like you know America, that'd be so cool.
4: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
9: why not? (laughs) Why not? Right? It's time for time for new music over there. (laughs) Cool. All right. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.
3: We talk about
4: food. Music with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
8: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org.